everyone. Welcome to Together Church's online campus experience. I am so excited that you're here with us today. If this is your first time watching with us or listening with us here, why don't you do me a favor? Send me a message. Let me know where you're watching from. I love hearing from you and what the Lord's doing in your life. I'm so thankful that you share that with us. So send us a message. Let us know where you're watching this or where you're listening to this at and uh, connect with us. Let us know how we can better connect with you. And if this is your first time and you want to help support what we are doing here at Together Church, you can go to our website, mytogetherchurch.com, and you can give tithes and offerings, and you can help support what we are doing here in Pace, Florida, and what we are doing on uh, social media and the interwebs and everything else. So we're so thankful that you're here. We've been in the book of Acts for the last several weeks, and we are still there, and we are just going to keep trucking through the book of Acts for, uh, you know, for some time, because I think it's powerful, and I think it's um, applicable to our day-to-day -day lives and the building of God's church. All right, we're in Acts chapter number eight, and we're going to be in verse 26. Got a little bit of reading, but... You know what I say, it's okay to read the Bible in church. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and to sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What a very interesting, what a very incredible story this is. Now, we were talking uh, about Paul last week and about Stephen and, and things that happened, and we were just reading about the book of uh, about the church. And I was going to lead in and keep 
following in on the story of Paul and his conversion. But I was reading through this this week that I really got hung up on this story. And I feel like there's a lot of powerful truths that you and I can glean out of this story. And I just couldn't pass it up. And, um, you know, so we could kind of look at the story and see that in, in this moment, Philip was leading this incredible revival in Samaria. And, and it was such a powerful movement that it actually caught the attention of the apostles in Jerusalem, and they had to come down and see what was happening. And in the height of what was going on, in the height of revival, and the height of this movement moving through uh, Samaria that P Philip was leading, God called him to walk away from it and go to the desert. All right. First thing, I hope you're taking notes. Take notes. During our hardest battles in life, we have to remember what God's Word says to us. And uh, a lot of times in our hardest moments, it's hard for us to rely on our memory. So we need to be writing things down. So I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity, if you're in a place, you know, like not driving, where you could take notes, I want you to take some notes. And I want you to write this down. Our success in life isn't based on our results but rather our faithfulness. I want to say that again. Our success in life isn't based on our results, but rather our faithfulness. Philip, I'm sure in this moment, didn't understand what God was doing, right? He's, he's preaching. He's leading people to the Lord. He's, he's, he sees this revival taking place, and the Lord is using him greatly in it. And he's faithful in this moment to what God has called him to do, but now God comes to Philip and says, Philip, I want you to leave the revival. I want you to go to the desert. And Philip's success in his ministry is not based on the results of having a successful revival in Samaria. His success in life is his faithfulness to obey the Lord and what he calls him to do. Right? I, I want you to... Um, I want you to hold on to this, right? I want you to grab hold of this. There's a lot of times that God's paths and God's callings and God's plan for our lives leave us with the question, why? Right? There's a lot of things that we encounter in life and it leads us sitting here, scratching our heads and asking why? God, why did you move me to this place? God, why did you put this person in my life? God, why are, are, is my family the way it is? God, why was I born into the family I was born in? And we sit here confused and we keep wondering why. Too many people live and die by the why. A lot of times our faith is stretched. Our, our faith is challenged. We we ask a lot of questions to God because we don't understand the why. So we ask the questions why, but, but I want us to look right quick at um, Abraham's life and Philip's life. When Abraham was, was, was young and he was <clears throat> following the Lord, the Lord called him to pack up, to leave his family and go to a, a new place. Abraham was like, I can do that, but where am I going? And, and God said, just walk, just go, and I will be with you, and I will guide you. And, and I feel like a lot of times that's faith, right? That's our faith. When God calls us, 
When, when God's love captures us, he doesn't always paint the picture for us. He just says, follow me, trust me. And that's exactly what he did to Philip in this moment. He said, listen, you're doing a great work in Samaria, but go to the desert. <clears throat> and Philip doesn't ask him. Philip, and I'm sure Philip has his questions. I'm sure Philip is going, hey, listen, I'm building something here. I'm building a name for myself here in Samaria. People are going to know who I am because of the work that I'm doing here. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm sure he has these questions, but he trusts the Lord. He says, God, if you want me in the desert, I'll go to the desert. And I want, I want to challenge you to have the same faith, the same trust uh, with the Lord. That you have to trust him with your relationships. That God, I trust that the people you bring in my life and the, the people you pull out of my life, I'm trusting that you are in charge of what is happening and I can trust what you're doing. God, whether the person is someone who blesses my life or someone who challenges me, you have brought them in my life for a reason, and I trust you. I trust you with the people in my life. Now, this also applies to the path God has for you. God, I don't understand the path and why you have me on this path, but I could trust you. I may not have confidence in the path, but I have confidence in you that you're leading me. God, I don't understand this calling that you have on my life, but I trust you. I may not trust my ability to fulfill your call, but I trust you with the call of my life. And we have to direct our frustrations and our joy toward the one who called us, okay? The one who put these people in our lives, the one who put, this, uh, put us on this path that we're on, the one who's uh, called us with this calling, that we have to put all these frustrations and these questions, the questions of why, we have to direct them completely to God. And it's okay to question God. It's okay to ask God questions. He's got big shoulders, y'all. He can handle your frustrations. He can handle your questions. And it's better that we direct them towards Him than trying to figure them all out on our own. Right? When we try to figure these all out on our own, our minds get bogged down, we get confused, we get frustrated, we get angry, and we don't vent out these issues the correct way. But it's okay that we go to God in prayer and say, God, I don't understand why you're doing this in my life. God, I don't understand why this all has to happen. That's fine. But, but I challenge you to follow up with God. I don't understand what you have me doing, but I trust you you got to have the right perception. we got to have the right attitudes that we could question where God has us, but we always have to be confident that he has us, right? That he has everything under control. And when we look at the scriptures uh, of what God was doing, I, I, I don't want to think that God, listen, God wasn't taking Philip away from the revival to be in the desert. God was taking revival to the desert. Come on, somebody. God wasn't taking Philip out of the revival to go to the desert. God was taking the revival to the desert. The victories we have had in our lives are the very things God wants us to take into our desert place. 
and the very thing he wants us to share with those in their desert places, right? Everything that Philip experienced in Samaria with the revival, God was taking into the desert, right? He says, you might be going into the desert, but the things that you have gone through are the things that you're going to need in the desert. Better yet, the things that you have gone when you're on your mountaintop are the things that someone else in their desert needs. Come on. While God was working on Philip, God was working on the Ethiopian who was in the same desert God was leading Philip to. This is cool. This is cool. In the desert, we see an Ethiopian that's traveled hundreds of miles on char on a chariot to be in Jerusalem to worship God. And as a eunuch, uh, this Ethiopian would have never fully been allowed to be in the Jewish faith, but he was determined to know God. So down in Ethiopia, something happened in this man where, where, where there was something stirred in him that, that made him to want to know the God of Israel. So... Uh, I would imagine he was probably uh, moving up there for Pentecost or some type of feast. And, and he's going into Jerusalem so he can encounter God. And, and, and this is amazing. That he would have never been fully allowed to be a part of the Jewish faith, to, to, to fully be into it. But, but, but he was still uh, determined to know this God. This is incredible. I mean, just think about this. Think about this man who wants to know God. He wants to be a part of God's uh, kingdom, but he won't ever fully be allowed. And so he visits Jerusalem. He has this experience, and he's headed back down into Jerusalem. I mean, excuse me, back down into uh, Ethiopia. And this is where God meets him. Mm. And the plan that God has for him is incredible. So while God is working on Philip and building his faith in uh, Samaria and calling him out to go to a desert place, he's working on this Ethiopian man and challenging him to come to know him. He's I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring in this Ethiopian this desire to know God. And this is incredible. This is just incredible. That God is working on this man. He's calling him into the faith, but the faith is uh, making it hard for him to be a part, right? The faith, this, this religious uh, experience that this man won is, is not going to really fully allow him to be a part. But he still wants to know God. And while God is working on Philip, he's working on this Ethiopian. And listen, this is true in every aspect of your life. That God works on both sides of the equation. And I want to say that again. God works on both sides of the equation. Listen, we, we know the story, or <clears throat> many of us know the story of, of a, uh, Abraham. And, you know, uh, God promised Abraham a son. And he promised him that he would, you know, be fruitful and his inheritance would be like the sand of the sea and every, everything like that. An incredible story. And then, uh, God gives him a son at a very old age, and then God calls uh, Abraham and says, uh, Abraham, I want you to take your son, and I want you to go and take and make a sacrifice uh, on the mountain. And um, 
much again, we talked about, I'm sure Abraham's thinking, why, right? And, uh, but he obeys, and he's going, and what's incredible is he, he doesn't tell his son what's going to happen, right? And um, so they're moving up to the, the mountain, and, and he tells his uh, servants to stay, stay by the, the horses, and um, he says, I'm taking my son, and we're going to go make a sacrifice. And, and Isaac looks at his dad and says, Dad, listen. Uh, we got the wood. We got the got the contents for a fire. We have a, a big knife. And uh, where's the sacrifice? And and uh, Abraham's like, don't worry, God will provide. And um, this is a powerful story. Like I really want to deep deep dive into Abraham and Isaac one day because they get to the top, and at some point, I'm sure Isaac is sitting there looking around, like wondering, like, hey. <laughs> where's the sacrifice and his dad's probably you know putting the sticks down and build the fire and get in this area sharpen his knife and and isaac's like where's the where's the sacrifice dad and he's like looking at him sharpening his knife and he's like dad where's where's the sacrifice and he's like sharpening he's like don't worry you'll find out and he's like sharpening his knife no but for real like think about this idea that he builds the fire and at some point the story says he draws back the knife to offer his son. So, so his son knew that he was the sacrifice at this point. That, that the son had to willingly lay down on this altar to be sacrificed. Powerful story, y'all. Like we want to, I want to talk about this one day. I don't know when, but we'll get to it. This is powerful. As he pulls the knife back, the, the angel of the Lord says, Abraham, do no harm to your son. So he doesn't. And then, this is cool, uh, the angel says, if you look over into the thicket, you'll see a ram that is caught by his horns. Sacrifice him. Oh, man, this is powerful, right? This is powerful. And I want you to get this idea, right? Both sides of the equation. When, when God called Abraham and Isaac to go up and to make the sacrifice, they're trucking up this hill, right? But on the other side of the hill, this ram is walking up, and he's about to be the sacrifice. That, that, that while they're being faithful, right, we're measured by our faithfulness. While they are being faithful, both of them, not just Abraham, both of them are being faithful. And that God is being faithful, bringing up the substitution for the son on the other side. This is awesome. While God is working and moving in you to share the gospel with someone, He's already working on that person he's sending you to. While he's saying, hey, I have someone that I want you to share my gospel with. That Holy Spirit is working in that individual, preparing him or her to meet with you. This is awesome. God's working on both sides of the equation. He's not just calling you to, to share the gospel with someone. He's bringing you into their life to confirm what he is doing in their life. That's awesome. Uh, when, when God is preparing you for a spouse, he's preparing your spouse for you. While you're in this moment of saying, God, what are you doing? How are you preparing me for my spouse? God, I know you have someone for me. He's preparing them to meet you. This is awesome. 
while you are praying for your job, someone else is getting fired. No, no, I'm kidding. Listen, while you're praying for your job, God is opening up doors in that job to be able to bring you on, right? He's working on both sides of the equation. When God is preparing you for a blessing, he's preparing that blessing for you. This is awesome. He's God of both sides of the equation. When you are going through the valley, God is preparing the mountaintop for you. That while you're down here and you're struggling and you're doing everything you can to make it, God is up here going, this place is going to be amazing when they get here. I can't wait for them to see what I have planned for them when they get out of that valley. He's working on both sides of the equation. When God is preparing a church for revival, God is preparing a community for revival. And I believe right now in this moment, God is preparing together church for revival. And that as he is stirring our hearts to get excited for the harvest, to get excited about our own souls and our own spirits and our own church being revived, he's preparing people to come in to experience that same revival. He's a God of both sides of the equation. And he's preparing our church right now, not just locally, but I believe that he's preparing our church even on our social media platforms and our streaming services that he is preparing you for revival with us. We've been laying the foundation here at Together Church. We've been getting to know one another. We've been praying with one another. We've been you know, doing life together with one another. And God is going to bring revival. And he's stirring his church right now to prepare to receive and to be a part of revival. And I'm excited. And there's something powerful that, that the Ethiopian says when, when uh, Philip comes to him. He says, listen. Do you even understand what you're reading? He says, how? How can I understand if no one guides me? Here we have a man who's hungry for God. He wants relationship. He wants to know more. He wants to experience God's love, but he's not accepted into the religious scene. He's sitting here in this desert place, wondering, hoping, praying, sitting, waiting, Wishing. Come on, someone. You like that? I threw that in there for you, Zach. Come on. He, he, he's here, and he wants to know more about God. He wants a relationship with this God. Sitting, waiting, wishing that someone would come by, that somehow he could experience and to be fully a part of God's kingdom. And it becomes the desert of confusion. This man is sitting here. He doesn't know why he can't. He knows why he can't be a part, but he, he just wants so badly to be a part of God's kingdom. He wants to know God. He wants to experience God. And the desert of confusion becomes God's perfect place. God's perfect time. And God's perfect path. Both men are in the desert wondering why. God, why have you taken me out of revival 
to be here in the desert. The Ethiopian's sitting here wondering, God, why? why? God, I just want to know you. Why can't I know you the way that I want to? And then God shows up, and he shows them what he is doing. And this is powerful. God's been working on Philip, and he pulled him out of the revival. God is working on this Ethiopian. He's had him travel hundreds of miles to know him, to encounter him. He goes to Jerusalem. He experiences it. I don't know. I would say he's probably, you know, he, he, he's probably left empty. He's sitting in the middle of the desert reading Psalms, or excuse me, reading Isaiah and wondering what he's reading. He says, I have no one to guide me. And the guide, the answer to his prayer, runs up to his chariot and says, I heard you reading. What you reading there? He says, I don't know. I don't have anyone to guide me. There are times in your life where you feel like you are in the desert. But I want you to know that you are the hope in the desert for someone. God is bringing everything that he's blessed you with. God is bringing everything that he's poured into you so that you can empty it out in that desert place. That desert place isn't a place for you to die. The desert place isn't a place for you to struggle. The desert place is for uh, you to take revival to someone who needs it. This is powerful. This is powerful right now. And I want you to know that you're not in this desert place to, to, to die. You're not in this desert place to give up on faith. You're in this desert place to be a part of God's perfect place, God's perfect time, and God's perfect now, perfect place. Why is this the perfect place? Because this Ethiopian has gone up from Ethiopia through Gaza, through, uh, you know, through the country to Jerusalem, and he's coming back. And Gaza is the last place in this desert before he has this long stretch to be in Ethiopia. Think about in Egypt, excuse me. Think about this. Think about this. For him to be baptized, he would need to be in water, right? So, so, so like God had this man stop by this water. He brought Philip to this water so this man could be received into God's kingdom and then baptized as a sign of it. And if any of these elements would have changed, right? If Philip would have said no. If the Ethiopian would have kept going. If the Ethiopian would have given up, none of this would have happened, right? But they just happened to be at the right place, at the right time, on the right path. Sometimes the desert place seems like the wrong place for us, but it's the perfect place. Sometimes God calls us to do things in our life, and we think it's the worst time. It's the perfect time. Sometimes God has us on a path that we don't understand, but I want you to understand this. It's the perfect path. Come on, somebody. This is good stuff. When we trust God and follow his leading, we will encounter the perfect place, the perfect time, and the perfect path. As you're praying for your spouse, you'll meet that spouse in the perfect place the perfect time, yeah, on the perfect path. 
or you're praying for the job, perfect place, perfect time, perfect payment. You're praying for your calling, perfect place, perfect time, perfect path. Listen, there is revival in the desert for you. There is someone in the desert with you right now that you need to take revival to. I love this because what happens? He starts reading this scripture and he says, I have no one to guide me. And I want you to know there are people all around you. You look at them and you, you may think they're heathens, right? You may think they're hellions. You may think that they need Jesus. They do need Jesus. You know, we, we've kind of made this, y'all need Jesus into a cute catchphrase, but that's exactly what people need. And there are people just like this Ethiopian who are hungry to know him, but no one will guide him. No one will lead them on the path. No one will interpret the, the, the scriptures. No one will confirm what God is doing. And there's millions of people who are sitting out there going, I want to know God, but there's no one to lead me. And if Philip would have never left that revival in Samaria to come and to be in this desert with this Ethiopian, this Ethiopian would have never had anyone to lead him. And that's what people are looking for. And that's why we can't get so caught up in our own selves when we go into the desert that we forget that people need to be led to the Lord. So he starts reading these scriptures again. And, and, and Philip says, do you know what you're reading? He says, no, how can I? So Philip says, I'll tell you exactly what you're reading. And wasn't it so convenient the passage that he was reading in this moment. And he says, it's talking about Jesus. He goes, I know you just left Jerusalem and there's a lot of turmoil. A lot of people are saying they love Jesus. They hate Jesus. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's the king of kings, the lords of lords. And they're saying he's a psycho. And, and, and in Jerusalem, there's just this wild buzz and people are being thrown into prison and everything else is happening. So I know there's confusion in Jerusalem. You just left Jerusalem, but let me tell you that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's just as available for you as you are right now. And you can accept him into your life. And the Ethiopian does it. And then he says, well, I'm here. You're here. The water's here. Why don't we go get baptized, son? That's exactly what he does. He baptizes him, that public confession of faith and I love baptism. There's a couple of things that uh, in the church world that I love, right? I love communion. I love baptisms. I love weddings. I love all the fun stuff, right? And I can't wait for, for us to hold uh, our first baptismal uh, as together church. And I'll invite you to be a part of that. And we're going to make that a special occasion. But the Ethiopian says, I want to be baptized. And it says when he comes up, he's joyous. Right? Isn't that the signs of, of salvation is joy of the Spirit, right? A fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of being saved, a fruit of a new life is the joy of the Lord. And that's what we see. And we see that he went to Jerusalem to find God, but he found God in the desert. It wasn't in the religious scene. It wasn't in the lights and the glistening and the camera and the powerful services. He was sitting in a desert going, God, I just want to know you. 
And God pulls a man out of a revival to lead him. And say, I want you to know this Jesus. And Philip wasn't so lost in his own questions of why that he ignored someone who needed Jesus. And what's incredible is it just says that the Lord took him, right? Bada bing, bada boom, bing, bada boom. You know, like, right? Like he, was like, uh, like he took I, uh, Elijah in the Bible. He just took Philip and planted him in another place. And Philip came too, and he's in Azostus, right? Because this, this life isn't about us. It's about the Lord using us wherever, however, whenever. Because God knows the perfect place, the perfect time, and the perfect path for your life. So I want to challenge you today that you might feel like you're in a desert place, but I want you to know there's revival. There's revival for you, and there's revival for the people God has put around you in your life. You may be in a place in your life right now where you're asking a lot of questions, but I want you to know God has a perfect place, a perfect time, and a perfect path for you. He's working on both sides of your equation right now. And he's working it. And you just got to trust him. Like Abraham, like Philip, step out, trust him, follow his leading, and know that he is leading you to the perfect place, the perfect time, and the perfect path. I want to pray for you. God, we love you and we thank you, God. And there are many who feel like they're in the desert place right now, God, but you are not leading them out of revival. You're leading revival to the desert, Jesus. And God, we have revival. We've experienced revival, and we take that with us wherever we go. God, whether we're on the mountaintop or we're in the valley, God, we trust you, and we know that you're working all things out for us, God, and we trust you. We may question, and you may take us kicking and screaming sometimes, but we trust you today, Lord, that you have the perfect place, the perfect time, and the perfect path for us. So, God, help us not to get weary in well-doing, God, but help us to trust. And, God, you have revival for this community. You have revival for this church. You have revival for your people. And we are stepping in to the early season of revival in our area, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that we're a part of revival. God, we give the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, we love you so much. We thank you for being a part of our online campus experience today. Reach out to us. Let us know where you're watching from. Send us your prayer request that we can pray with you. Send us things that you're celebrating so that we can celebrate with you. And I want you to remember, life is always better together. We love y'all.